With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time and you stay alive is a, is a blessing from God. So, what are you doing with your blessings? This is Ty Kikasi Dabinga coming at you at 12:30 on the AM side of dawn. It's our first show in our first show in August. Hope everything's going well with you these days. You want to give me a call in 1646-595-2892. 1646-595-2892. So, our last show in this th- uh, three-part series on immigration, a hot topic, hot debate. 
hot arguments all over the place, and let's just get right to it. Um, you know, as most of you know already, uh, aspects of the Arizona law has been uh, shut down by the court. Uh, certain uh, parts of it are still allowed to go through, but the most quote-unquote controversial in reference to in inquiring about someone's immigration status in this country has been uh, down by the court until the appeals go through the process and are more than likely either get overturned or be, they'll actually move to the U.S. Supreme Court. So we shall see. I think uh, this whole debate, I've done a lot of emails. I had a great conversation with my brother Tope in Boston about a lot of things. Um, he has suspicions about the motives, and I understand exactly where he's coming from, and he made some points that I agree with, and he understood some points that I was making. Um, I think one of the things that kind of set off this whole thing is that um, no one actually read, not Tope, I'm talking about other people, but no one's actually read the immigration statute. I understand they got the first draft, but the problem is that uh, this all started, you know, even with Attorney General Holder when the uh, governor of Arizona passed the law that was pushed by the legislature. And, uh, well, let me let you hear it himself. If he actually read the law before he reacted or responded to it with the suits. Now, for weeks, we have heard President Obama mischaracterize the Arizona immigration law. Now, his outrageous comments have made it abundantly clear that he's never actually read the bill. And just a short time ago on Capitol Hill, America's top law enforcement official admitted he hasn't bothered reading the text of the legislation either. Watch this. I understand uh, that you may file a lawsuit against the law. Uh, seems to me the administration ought to be enforcing border security and immigration laws and not challenge them, uh, and that the administration is on the wrong side of the American people. Have you read the Arizona law? Uh, I have not had a chance to. I've glanced at it. I have not read it. Um, with this. It's 10 pages. It's a lot shorter than the uh, health care bill, which was 2,000 pages long. I'll give you my copy of it if you uh, would like to, to have a copy. Um, even though you haven't read the law, do you have an opinion as to whether it's constitutional? Uh, I have not really, I've not been briefed yet. All right, so he hasn't read it. He hasn't been briefed, but he has no trouble looking into the camera and telling you, the American people, this. I think that that law is an unfortunate one. Um, I think that it is, I fear, subject to potential abuse. Arizona. What is specifically wrong with the anti-immigration law that has been passed there? The concern I have about the law that they have passed is that I think it has the possibility of leading to uh, racial profiling. Do you think the Arizona immigration law is racist? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea. All right, how would you know you haven't even read... Now, the thing about that statement is, uh, that kind of stands out, is when you talk about it leads to the aspect of being racist or leading to racial profiling. And I think it's very interesting that um, I said on previous two shows, it, 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 immigration is immigration. Let me give you an illegal from, you know, the continent of Africa, Central America, um, Latin America, what have you, Europe. Immigration is immigration. You're illegal, you're illegal. But the aspect that people are saying is be racial profiling, well, it's in Arizona. The majority ethnic group in Arizona is Latino. So obviously they may bear the brunt of the law, which – Again, it didn't mean the law did not state as people try to protest so loudly that if you're walking down the street, the police is walking with some your papers. It's not like that sister, that city of the uh, Mel, uh, uh, in Belgium where the police go through. I think I'm mispronouncing the city. The police go through and get out the car and ask the people there for papers. You know, what's your status in the country? No, if you're violating a law and there's suspicion that you're, you may be undocumented, then the police have, will have the right to ask you to uh, present papers to prove you're, you're in the country legally. Now, people are trying to legislate human behavior by saying, well, what are the suspicions and what are the criteria and stuff like that? And that's where the issue comes in. Now, I thought it was very ironic that, again, it's racial profiling that has been brought up because, as I mentioned before, a lot of the marches I've seen, particularly in Los Angeles, have been dominated by Latinos. And it doesn't seem like they reach out to other ethnic groups in reference to this, this situation because it affects all of us. You know, I'm an immigrant, but we came here illegally. I know some Africans that came here illegally. So illegal immigration it just doesn't target Latinos. It's targeted everybody. But everybody, everybody wanted to say it was racial profiling. But I think some of the advocates in the Latino community have to bear, have to bear responsibility for that because they made that the issue. But it was, just, it was very ironic because, as I mentioned before, 
when a lot of these organizations uh, plan a march against legal immigration, what they do is they reach out to other Latino organizations. And then when I see them, for example, downtown, they're not speaking in English, they're speaking in Spanish. Now, I don't understand how it's racial profiling when the people who are marching are creating the image that it's only Latinos who are being affected by illegal immigration. Now, let's go another statement of racial profiling. Let's hear Governor Richards' position on this, and we'll tie this into the racial profiling statement. This is Governor Richardson on NBC's Meet the Press Roundtable. That was cut by to $800 billion. If you'd kept funding level, I mean, right. the Democrats have cut three-quarters of a trillion right. out of this, and the president wants to go to 50% of the level that Republicans Governor. spent on border security. We have got to take border security seriously. Right. Governor Richardson. can't blame Arizonans for trying to reaffirm the fin rule of final, law. final thought on this. This law in Arizona is terrible. What the administration needs to do is challenge it because it's unconstitutional. Immigration is a federal matter. 100,000 demonstrators were out on the streets yesterday against this law around this country, dwarfing the Tea Party demonstrations. There's going to be an anti-immigration hysteria creeping up, and the Congress needs to act. Uh, President Bush deserves credit for trying to move an immigration bill. Senator Obama's, President Obama's on the right path, asking for a bill that says an earned legalization. Uh, those that uh, have to pay back taxes, learn English, get to the back of the line, pay a fine. Uh, more border security, I agree with the congressman. But I think the congressman and many Republicans, all they want to do is more border security. Yeah, we need it. I'm on the border, too. We need more technology. We need more border patrol. We need the National Guard. But you have to do it simultaneously as an earned legalization. Senator, plan. can you get comprehensive immigration reform passed this year? You're part of the leadership on the Republican side. Well, the difference is right, right here. We need to secure, instead of joking about the Arizona situation and suing Arizona, the president ought to work with the governor and secure the border. Right. That's his job. He's the commander-in-chief. It's a federal responsibility. When the border's secure, then we can deal with people illegally here and how they become okay. citizens or not. We're going to make that the last word. Thank you all very much. A special programming note. Stay with NBC News for continuing coverage of that oil spill in the Gulf, including a special edition of Nightly News with Brian Williams broadcasting live from New Orleans Monday evening. We'll be back right after this brief station break. Now, that was Governor Richardson uh, talking about the Arizona law, obviously, and I think it's very ironic that he would come out and talk about it's a bad law and it's a federal responsibility because when it comes to racial profiling and things, and things along those lines and creating the image that it's only a Latino problem, well, this is what the governor had to say. Uh, Bill Richardson was a U.S. congressman, U.N. ambassador, U.S. Secretary of Energy and is now the governor of New Mexico, vowed to represent all his constituents. This was his racist statement to Latino USA responding to congressional 1996 immigration reform legislation. There are changing political times where our basic foundations and programs are being attacked. Uh, illegal and legal immigration are being unfairly attacked. We have to band together, and that means uh, Latinos in uh, Florida, Cuban-Americans, Mexican-Americans, Puerto Ricans, South Americans. We have to network better. We have to be more uh, politically minded. We have to uh, put aside party and think of ourselves as Latinos, as Hispanics, more than we have in the past. Now, um... Again, that was Governor Richardson, and here what he said, we have to think more of ourselves as Latinos. Now, where in that statement did he say Africans, Haitians, West Indians, Jamaicans, Europeans, Asians, uh, Argentinians, or anything like that? Or did he say, that, you know, uh, Russians, Mongolians, Japanese, New Zealanders? No, he said Latinos. Now, I, it's, it's, it's very, I just find it very annoying when people say racial profiling and the Latinos say, you know, now my Latino brothers and sisters, but a lot of these advocates who are just, as, uh, as guilty with this personal issue as some of the Democrats and the politicians have been doing. But I don't see any complaints when you see only Latinos being asked and questioned and, and guest speaking as uh, uh, experts or what have you or giving an opinion on immigration. I don't see anybody that's African. I don't see anybody that's Asian. I don't see anybody that's European. I see them as Latinos. And I think that's creating, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, where when people talk about illegal immigration, they're going to think about Latinos, and that's just unrighteous. I don't think it's fair. But at the same time, there's Governor Richardson. He said, he want, let's reach out to other Latinos. So where's the coalition? And that's why I think this, this movement in reference to immigration is not going to work, because there's no coalition. It's basically creating a one-sided group against everybody else. 
And we've we've seen in American history, we've seen in history in many countries that it doesn't work unless there's a coalition. And I think government just has to bear some responsibility for creating this aspect of thinking it's just the Latinos because, again, he, he himself said it. We have to be more Latino. Well, how about being more American and enforcing the, enforcing the laws that are on the books right now? Now, when people are talking about federal law, federal law, federal law, you know, aspect, then there'll be um, a situation of patchwork immigration laws, how the law in Arizona is going to be different from the law in Nevada, how it's going to be different from the law in New Mexico, how it's going to be different from the law in Texas. But it's kind of ironic that there's different laws regarding driver's license. And since the Arizona legislation has been passed, even though some measures, some components of it has been struck, struck down, uh, Washington, these, Washington State, and I don't know, I don't know if it's Nebraska, I'm not too sure what the other state was, excuse me, but they have seen an increase in immigrants, particularly Latino immigrants, moving to those cities and getting driver's license. Because in Arizona, you have to be, you have to prove that you are here legally to get a driver's license. But these states where you don't have to prove you're here legally because they can't ask the question by law, they're seeing an increase in people asking for a driver's license, and they have noted that a predominant amount of them are Latinos. So how come it's okay to have a patchwork system uh, to get a driver's license where in one state you have to prove that you're in the country legally, and then across the border you don't have to, but yet everybody's worried about having a patchwork immigration, system, uh, immigration policy? I just think it's a little bit unrighteous. That's just my opinion. Now, one of the big aspects that have come out of this whole debate has been the aspect, um, he said, the getting the back of the line. Well, my thing is getting the back of the line where? Pay the fine, learn the language, and pay taxes, and stay in the country? Or get back in the line and leave the country and come back? Because George Bush's policy has said he, he was for immigration reform, but they'd have to pay, you know, do what they need to do, leave the country and come back just like the Nigerian, just like the Austrian, just like the Japanese who's paying who's paying their fees, filling the paperwork at the American consulate or what have you, and saying, look, we're, we're, we are waiting our time to enter America, United States of America illegally. But we would say get in the back of the line. Get in the back of the line where? In this country or back in their host country? People will say, well, you can't support 12 million. Now, there's, there's an estimated 12 million, uh, 12 million illegal immigrants. It's been estimated that 75% of them are Latino. So what about the remaining 25%? So for me, when we talk about illegal immigration, I mean we should be talking about all immigrants, not just one component. Because I think it's unfair to demonize the Latino brothers and sisters. I think it's unfair to categorize that every immigrant in this country that's Latino, only 75%. Yes, that's a majority of the estimated 12 million, but yet still we're not talking about other immigrants that are out there who are here illegally. Now, let's go on here as we move forward. One issue that has come up, there is a federal law that's been enforced. It's called Rule 287G. And what that basically means is that once you're arrested, your fingerprints not just the federal system, they're also run through the system of ICE, uh, Immigration Control and Enforcement. I believe that is the proper nomenclature for ICE. And it seems like what people have been saying is that, well, you know, if it's a federal law, okay, well, there is a, they say, well, it's a federal matter, as Governor Richardson had said, so let's let the federal government enforce the law. Well, the federal government is enforcing this law, 287G, and the, and, the, and the immigrant advocates are protesting that law, and that's a federal law. Let's take a listen in, please. A controversial program to weed out illegal immigrants at the Gwinnett County Jail has some community activists crying foul. But some on the other side of the issue say it's long overdue. Fox Live's George Franco joins us now. He's live at the Gwinnett County Jail with more on the story. George. Well, Amanda, it's the beginning of a program here at the Gwinnett County Jail to determine how many of the inmates in this facility are in this country illegally and to have them deported. Maximino Martinez came here to find out the status of his nephew. He says his nephew was arrested for riding in the back of a pickup. He just learned his nephew could be deported as part of a surge to screen and eventually deport Gwinnett County Jail inmates in this country illegally. Yeah, it's a minor crime. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't rob anybody. He was in the back of a pickup truck, Martinez says. He says his nephew would leave family behind here in Georgia if deported. There is no exception in my book. Again, if, if somebody's caught gambling, should they not be punished because they have children? Community activist D.A. King, who encouraged Georgia lawmakers to draft tough anti-illegal immigration measures, applauds the jail move. For the next 26 days, ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement agents, and jailers will screen everyone at the jail. Illegal immigrants are likely to be deported. 
Gwinnett County Jail officials say they estimate that of the more than 14,004 nationals arrested and processed in this facility within the last year, about 60% were illegal. A group known as Georgia Detention Watch has big concerns about human rights abuses. Well, my main concern is that people we have uh, not legal representation and racial profiling. The sheriff says we do not violate anyone's human rights and we certainly do not engage in racial profiling. This program does not target anyone who has not already been arrested. Once you commit a crime, you're subject to being checked to determine your legal status. What do you think is going to happen to him? I don't know. The status of his nephew is still uncertain, but an ICE representative today told us that they are simply following the law here and setting up a 287G facility if, in fact, this jail chooses to go that route. Other jails in Georgia are already doing that, and that is screening inmates to see if they are in this country illegally, sending them to federal authorities and likely having them deported. Reporting live tonight in Gwinnett County, I'm George Franco, Fox 5. Now, again, 287G, that federal law that's on the books, and you see people are protesting that. First, people will say you can't uh, enforce immigration law on the state level because that's a federal matter. Well, the federal law, there is a federal law, 287G, on the books that the federal government is enforcing, and people are complaining about that, human rights violation and racial profiling. So let me remind you again that it was Governor Richardson who, he himself, who reached out and said on, uh, a few moments ago that, they have the Latinos need to unify and be more Latino. No, it should have been the immigrants should unify to address the situation of illegal immigration and make it a coalition movement to address these situations. But when you make it an us and them, then obviously the us and them becomes a very, a very, very heated debate, and it becomes a very sticky problem because then people say, well, it's racial profiling. Well, if you're saying you're only going to reach out to the Latinos, and again, let me, I, if, you know, and I played this several, several moments again, what did he say? We will reach out to the... I'll let you hear it in his own words. Bill Richardson was a U.S. Congressman, U.N. Ambassador, U.S. Secretary of Energy, and is now the governor of New Mexico, vowed to represent all his constituents. This was his racist statement to Latino USA, responding to congressional 1996 immigration reform legislation. There are changing political times where our basic foundations and programs are being attacked. Uh, illegal and legal immigration are being unfairly attacked. We have to band together, and that means uh, Latinos in uh, Florida, Cuban-Americans, Mexican-Americans, Puerto Ricans, South Americans. We have to network better. We have to be more uh, politically minded. We have to uh, put aside party and think of ourselves as Latinos, as Hispanics, more than we have in the past. Uh, coalition now still waiting for the mention of the other immigrants and again maybe he's looking out for his party maybe his uh his own group but let's talk about all illegal immigrants not just the latino component it just perpetuates the the stereotype that the, the illegals are of latino descent again we talked about two a federal law where your fingerprints are run through ICE and, and the federal system to see if you are determined to be here illegally. And even then, people are complaining. So the next time you're turning on the TV and people are talking about is a federal matter, bring up the, situa bring up the, uh, the situation that there is a federal law that's being enforced and they're complaining about that. Again, let's go back down to Georgia, 287G. Well, tonight we're rippling right over the border and out of Georgia. We found some surprising reaction in Norcross, what some might call drastic, and others could call effective. La Guadalupana store manager Walter Quinteros is losing some of his regulars. Illegal immigrants who are packing up and leaving Georgia. The state's tough immigration bill, SB 529, is the reason. Well, some people moving around, you know, like North Carolina, the Tennessee, or some people going back to Mexico. Just a few minutes later, this man walks into the store. He says immigration laws have left him with no choice but to go back to Mexico, since he can't support his family here. If I have no license and I'm not going to be legalized, I can't work. That's exactly the kind of decision anti-illegal immigration activists want to hear. It's already making a difference. Uh, D.A. King has been fighting for stricter border enforcement and a statewide crackdown on undocumented immigrants. Senate Bill 529 was signed last April. Shortly thereafter, we heard people like Jerry Gonzalez telling us that 
people in the country illegally were liquidating their assets and, and preparing to leave Georgia for more hospitable states. That was exactly the intent. For other immigrants who choose to stay, Walter is concerned with those who are liquidating their assets just in case they get deported. I hear about that comment that people are selling their cars, you know, in case that they get deported, you know, they don't lose too much money in here, they don't leave nothing in here, you know, they, they are taking the money of the bank and sending, and sending the money to Mexico. Sending money because the state is sending a strong message to illegal immigrants. Under the new law, businesses with more than 500 employees who contract with the state of Georgia must verify that those employees are legal citizens. Immigration will also be called if any undocumented immigrant is arrested for a felony or a DUI. Sarah Parker, CBS 46 News. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Now, people, there again, there's another different, there's another law in the book from the state of Georgia. But, you know, a lot of people wrote me when I mentioned this in a previous show. I think I mentioned in passing that they didn't know this law was even in the books. But, you know, it didn't get the press that Arizona got. Why is that? You know, Georgia is a heavily Republican state. Georgia, I believe John, um, current Senator John McCain took that in the last presidential election. But it's very, very ironic that, uh, as he was saying, a lot of people are, are internally migrating. They're not migrating out of the country. Well, some are. They're going to states that have lesser or weakened or basically non-existent immigration law or not – not harshly enforced. I can't find the exact word at this moment, but I think you understand what I am saying. So I said to a friend of mine one day, well, sorry, how do you get rid of the 12 million? I mean, you can't deport them. Yes, you can. If President Obama was making an executive order that the Arizona law or the Georgia law was a fed, was a, a country, a United States law, you see a whole lot of people, including some of my fellow Congolese, going back to Congo or going somewhere else. Now, there's an aspect people would say, and again, you can't treat the illegal immigrants as though they're nothing and they're a bunch of, you know, animals. They are people also. They, you know, they can't be looked at as just, uh, you know, villains and, and you can't demonize them, which seems to be happening on both sides of the argument. But one thing that comes up is the situation of what happens if they have children. You know, some come, as a gentleman said earlier, who was illegal, and he said he was illegal. He said, you know, a lot of us come here just to follow the rules. Okay, well, you're breaking the rules to come to the United States to follow the rules. Well, some people would say, okay, well, what happens when, you know, because the debate now is that they want to uh, amend the 14th Amendment, which a lot of people don't understand was written that those that were born of slaves or enslaved Africans in the United States are granted American citizenship. It had nothing to do with Latinos or anybody else. It was written specifically for the descendants of the, chil the children of the slaves, that they were born here, they would be granted citizen citizenship. But I believe that law was challenged, I believe, in 1898 or 1912 in California, when two legal Chinese immigrants, their son sued to be recognized as a U.S. citizen. Now, it's very ironic that there's no other country in the world that says that if you are born in that country, you are a citizen of that country. I believe the law has, is basically says that if you, you are born there and your parents or one of your parents is from that country, then that's a different matter. Now, about the children, here's a debate that happened when a young lady from Mexico, in this case, um, was deported. She had snuck into the United States, was deported, snuck back in again, was deported again, went back to Mexico and said that the United States broke the law by allowing her in the country in the first place. And she's being treated like a national hero down there. Well, she had a son that she left behind in the United States. And here is a, a, a little interview with the lawyer of this, uh, who's in, uh, who is an advocate for this woman's situation. But listen carefully as she not only talks about the situation of a child being left here, but also about how she describes Mexico in itself. Legally finding sanctuary in a Chicago church for almost a year. But now even the Mexican Senate is protesting her deportation in spite of her breaking the law. Well, joining us in the studio to discuss this case of Elvira Ariano is immigration rights lawyer Susan Church. Susan, we know that uh, Elvira is back in Mexico right now, and the Mexico, Mexican government is being asked to do something about it, to protest her deportation back to Mexico, but where's her son Saul? Her son Saul, from what I understand, is um, has visited with her, but is going to be back uh, living with his godmother and attending school in the United States. He's a U.S. citizen, so obviously we can't deport him, even though I'm sure some people would like to. Um, and he is now separated from his mother, and now without uh, his mother in his life. Well, but also, he could have gone back to Mexico with her. That was her choice to leave him in Chicago. Well, I mean, he's choice. eight years old. The choice, I think, is really an unfair world. She was physically picked up, handcuffed, and sent home to Mexico. But the government offered to have him go with her. 
He could have gone, of course. He could have gone. But the her. point is that people come to this country out of desperation. People come to this country. I mean, people die in the Arizona desert now at twice the rate that they used to die since 1995. Deaths had doubled. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the tide of illegal immigration has not stemmed at all. So the reason people come to this country, and when they do come to this country, they, over the border specifically, not people who come on a work-related visa, they come out of desperation. They can't feed their children. They can't, you know, take care of their children properly. And she actually left this country, was deported, and came back again. And all of it was because she was desperate and couldn't take care of her child in her home country. That's why she didn't take him home, and that's why he's staying here. Her son's a U.S citizen yes. was he born in the United States yes. okay so now in 10 years my understanding is that at 18 he can petition to have his mother join him here is that correct at 21 he can petition that's to still a long mother. time from now so what do you do in between this time does he go back to Mexico or, or is there something that she can do to try to ever enter the United States legally well just just to be clear here, she he can quote-unquote petition to bring his mother back but his mother is not coming back to this country legally I mean unless the law and the culture and the tone of the immigration debate changes substantially. They will not be reunited at any time in the future unless he goes to live in Mexico. Because she's been deported once, deported a second time, and she was uh, had some other issues. But, so but again, getting back unlikely. to it, I mean, I, I, we just got to, the other side is that she could have, she can send for him. He could have gone back with her, and she could have him come back. He's eight years old. We're not talking about an adult. He's eight years old. He's staying with his godparents. She could make arrangements for him to come back to Mexico and be reunited with her. What she is doing and what most illegal immigrants who are facing deportation, they have this horrendous choice. You could bring your child with you and be with your child, which of course every parent wants to be, it's just un and no parent doesn't want to be with their child, but then you're looking at having substandard education, if any education at all, not knowing where your next meal is coming from, not knowing if your child's going to be homeless or not, not knowing if you're going to be able to find a job, maybe exposing your child to incredible violence. So she's faced with an impossible choice. And really, it's, the debate isn't about her. Right. The debate is about the fact that we have turned a blind eye to, immigrate, to immigration over the border for since way before 9-11. There was no problem with people coming in and out of this country. The fluid labor source that we benefited from immigrants, no one had a problem with it until 9-11 and until people thought about the security issue. Right, because it has become a security issue. Right. And she so, did commit a crime. She right. did enter the country illegally twice. Right. And, and there are avenues through which you can enter the country legally. No, see, that's actually the point. People like her do not have any legal avenue whatsoever. People who come from wealthy families abroad who can afford to pay for, for example, a full uh, semester's tuition, who are extremely talented or have a, a advanced degree, they may have a chance of coming here legally. Even to get a visa to come here as a visitor's visa, you need to own property in the country you're coming from. The consulate would never approve a visa, a visa for somebody like that. So she did All not right. have avenues and she did not have options and she was forced into this position. Susan Church, on that note, we'll end it there. We'll continue to follow the immigration debate. It's obviously heating up once again. We'll see what Congress does about the immigration situation. Susan Church, immigration rights lawyer, talking about the case of Elvira Ariano and her eight-year-old son, Saul. Thank you. Uh, let's give some little cry. You do not have to own property in another country if you're trying to get a tourist visa or need to visit the country. If that was the case, trust me, the airports would be bare, naked, empty at the international gates. And conversely, and on top of that, she was asked, she said to her, she goes, look, she could have sent for this. She said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, it's bad there and all that kind of stuff. You know, when was Mexico a war zone? She's making it seem like Mexico was someplace that had, like, you know, was back in the Stone Age. It's not the aspect of the of the uh, of uh, the violence that's raging down there. I mean, there's a drug war going on that seems to be a little bit on the radar, but the situation of how inflation is hitting the Mex you know the Mexican economy down there. Look, Mexico has two imports that they're making money off, two exports that they're making money off. Two remittances, remittance back to Mexico through Western Union, West uh, MoneyGram or what have you, twenty one billion dollars a year. It's the biggest import, it's the biggest uh, source of income that Mexico has. So President Calderon has a benefit. He has a, a stake in this because that money helps the government itself. Now, the thing that's happening as the recession is that the recession was a global recession. Inflation basically almost, nearly almost decimated the Mexican economy. But to make it seem like it's some kind of place where there's, you know, gun fights on every corner, I think that's a, a little bit disingenuous. And I think in her advocacy, she's making the mistake of demonizing the country. Let's give you a little insight into how inflation is affecting, affecting Mexico. Tortillas have long been a staple at Mexican dining tables, but prices have just gone up on the familiar thin round of unleavened cornmeal. Teresa Jimenez says it's going to hurt her family and others. 
Tortilla prices should remain the same. We already have to limit the amount of tortillas we eat, and we don't have extra money to afford the new prices. We don't have jobs. The increase in tortilla prices is just one result of the higher taxes put in place January 1st by the Calderon government. The sales tax on most products went up by 1% to 16%, as well as income taxes on workers with a fixed salary. I'm angry because our president is not helping people in need. He raises salaries for bureaucrats and we the people are only getting a three peso raise. The higher taxes are pushing up the cost of gasoline, which creates a domino effect. Wages don't go up as fast as prices. Ideally, they would keep up with inflation, but they never do. Mexicans are also seeing price hikes in other basic food products, such as eggs. Electricity and propane gas are also more expensive now. The rise in basic food products and fuels is higher than ever. It's really ridiculous. Mexicans have a name for the kind of inflation that seems to hit the country at the beginning of each year. They call it the January slope. The minimum wage in Mexico is less than $5 per day, and about 40% of the population lives in poverty. Mexico's central bank expects consumer prices to increase by more than 5% before the end of the year. Rafael Romo, CNN, Atlanta. Now... There you go. You want to talk about the recession, the global economic struggle right now. You see how it's affecting Mexico. You have an insight there. That's the part you don't hear. All you hear is that people are fleeing. Now, you know, again, we're talking Mexico is coming from this conversation only because that's what's mentioned in some of the, uh, the uh, interviews we are hearing in some of the news reports. But, again, it's not just a problem here in the United States. Let's, uh, this is an international problem. Let's hear what's happening up in Canada. Good evening. At home and abroad, a lot of people are angry at the Canadian government tonight for its sudden change of rules for visitors from two countries. Yesterday, Immigration Minister Jason Kenney announced that to combat abuses of the refugee system, Canada will require Mexican and Czech nationals to obtain visas before coming here. Today, there was a storm of protest. CTV's Graham Richardson has the latest. Today, the latest wave in a brutal Mexican drug war. Twelve federal police officers tortured and executed. The Canadian government and some immigration experts say hundreds of Mexicans are trying to flee this violence by claiming refugee status in Canada. But that just got a lot harder. Anyone now coming from Mexico will need a visa to get in. Some tourists already in Canada were shocked. I think it's not fair. It's like a... Long lineups formed outside the Canadian Embassy in Mexico City as people tried to figure out what the changes mean. It's chaos here, she says. The minister says the government had to act against Mexico and the Czech Republic, another source of skyrocketing refugee claims. People are getting coaching on which airport to go to, what kind of claim to make, um, and, 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 and how to game the Canadian system. This is not what our asylum protection is for. And the numbers do tell an odd story. In the first three months of 2009, more than 3,600 Mexicans tried to claim refugee status in Canada. From Haiti, a very troubled country, there were just 688. The Czech Republic, 653 claims. Civil war-torn Sri Lanka, just 224. But the tourism industry is worried about how the crackdown will hinder legitimate tourists. We are asking the Canadian government to postpone this at least till the 15th of November of this year. To express its displeasure with Canada, the Czech Republic recalled its ambassador today. There were some indications uh, during the night, and today morning the government decided to recall me back so well. And when do you leave? Today up in five minutes. Canada has sent a crack team of experts to Mexico to help set up the visa application center. They say it will be running in weeks. As for Prague, the Czech Republic, people there will have to trek 400 kilometers away to Vienna, Austria. Lloyd? Graham, many Canadians may feel that the government is acting in the best interests of this country. So why this intense blowback from the Czech Republic? Well, that government has to be seen to be standing up for its citizens. When you think about it, if there's a business person who has no interest whatsoever in becoming a refugee, uh, they have been significantly inconvenienced. They can't jump on a plane anymore and just come to Canada to do business. So a lot of the noise coming from that government is for domestic purposes. 
Now, in the case of the Roma from the Czech Republic, why would they fly all the way to Canada when there are 26 other countries in the EU that they could go to? That is the big question, and that's where those uh, fairly generous benefits that Canada offers uh, for refugee claimants here in Canada uh, comes into question. Why would they come this far? Uh, and that is clearly the government's belief. They're taking advantage of that system. Remember, as soon as Canada lifted the need for a visa in 2007, those claimants started to show up at airports across the country. But what about the charge that some real refugee claims may fall through the cracks as a result of this new law? That is a big risk. It appears from the government in Canada they are willing to take that risk, Lloyd, because they simply cannot sustain the numbers they've had. Their belief is once the new system is in place and it's set up uh, and everything sort of calms down, uh, those legitimate refugee claims uh, will get through, uh, but we'll see. It is certainly a big risk. Right. Thanks, Graham. Good night, Lloyd. Now let's head across the water to the U.K., the pond, that people say, to the United Kingdom during the last uh, debate during uh, in during the uh, education, uh, education, the election season, <laughs> the election that recently took place in the United Kingdom. And here's this uh, how the debate when immigration came up. Some of uh, any of these themes sound familiar. Who have been here for a decade, who speak English, who want to play by the rules, who want to pay taxes, who will want to come out of the shadows, do community service to make up for what they've done wrong. It's better to get them out of the hands of the criminals so we can go after the criminals and in the hands of the taxman. You can pretend as much as you like. David Cameron and Gordon Brown, that somehow you can deport people when you don't even know where they are. I'm coming up with a proposal. It might be controversial, but it's dealing with the way the world is. Get real. This is a problem you created. We now need to sort it on a one-off basis. It's a one-off problem which needs a solution. I think it is profoundly misguided. I mean, Nick has talked, not tonight, but has talked about 600,000 people uh, having this amnesty, being able to stay and they would be able to bring over a relative each. So that's 1.2 million, potentially. And all those people would have access to, to welfare and to housing. I think this could make Why us... Why don't we save time? This could make the... Why don't we save some well, time? Nick, will you explain the number then? Why don't we save time? Instead of making endlessly misleading uh, comments, you know, let's just save time and assume every time you talk about our policy, it's just wrong. What I'm saying is well, well, there is a layer of illegal immigrants... Well, give us the we have to, No, we have to deal with it. We have to get them out of the hands of criminals. And you say numbers. Can you now tell me... Is it, am I right or wrong that 80% of people who come here come from the European Union and your cap would make no difference to that whatsoever? Is that right, yes or no? We have said yes no. new EU well, countries yes no. should have transitional controls. We all remember what happened when Poland joined the European Union. We were told yes no. 13,000 people would come, and in fact it was closer to a million. Now, Nick, Clegg of the Liberal Democrats cannot wriggle on this. They have spoken about 600,000 people. If that's the number... They should come clean about that. I'm not, rigg I'm not wriggling. Well, I just want to respond. Yes or no? Do 80% of immigrants come from the European Union, which wouldn't be affected by your cap? Yes or no? It's affected by having transitional controls. Now, I've answered your question. You should answer mine. I think we Is should bring Mr. Brown in, because he's... I hate to enter into private grief here, because both of them have got this wrong, I'm afraid. Nick is wrong to send out a message to people that you can come here illegally, and then you'll get an amnesty. David is wrong to mislead people about his cap because it doesn't include people from the European Union, doesn't include large numbers of people who are dependents and university students. What he would do is make it impossible for some businesses to recruit people from abroad during the course of the year, and he's never given us a number for his cap. He's really got to tell us what the cap is, or stop telling us that there is going to be a cap when probably there's not going to be. What, what you can see is two parties that won't grip immigration, and one that will. Do the, do the themes in this debate sound very similar? We went to Canada, we went across the pond to the UK, the United Kingdom. Do the themes sound very similar? He said, you can't come here illegally then, act, then get amnesty, and you also can't put a cap on the amount of people uh, from the European Union, uh, something along those lines. Again, is, you know, this is to expand your mind or to expand your purview of what's going on and how the, the, the situation, the global situation, is a global um, scenario right now. Japan recently... Uh, deported, I believe the family was from, either from the Philippines or China, someplace uh, or an Asian country, someplace in that region, and they had a child born in Japan. Japan said, we don't care. You're here illegally. Goodbye. And they gave the parents a choice. Take the child with you or leave them here. Well, they left the child behind. They deported the parents. And for me, when people say, you know, 
that's a horrendous situation to put on the parent. Well, the, you know what? I'm not going to take the responsibility of the decision the parent made. If the parent made, if the parent or parents made a decision to enter any country illegally and to have children there, then they can suffer the repercussions or feel the brunt or feel the stress of the decision they need to make because they put that child in the situation in the first place. So for someone to say, well, you know, we came over here and we had our child and stuff like that, and it's not fair, you're breaking up our family, you know, what kind of burden is that? I mean, you know, we should, I'm sorry. In Congo, look what the Angolans do. They find some illegal Congo of the country by sundown and back in Congo. Otherwise, tomorrow we'll get you out of gunpoint. Tomorrow, gunpoint. And if you steal it the next day, they'll gun you down the back. That's how they do it in Angola. Now, I'm not saying to do it here in the United States that way. Trust me, that wouldn't fly. But I'm just saying to you, when you're serious about immigration reform, you basically take matters into your own hands. And in this situation, you have to wonder what Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is thinking about this. Because this is what then-Senator Hillary Clinton said during the campaign. Senator Hillary Clinton is under uh, fire for comments she made last night in California. Appearing before a crowd of executives in Silicon Valley, Senator Clinton spoke out in support of bringing in even more cheap foreign labor. Casey Wyan has the report. Senator Hillary Clinton told Silicon Valley executives she wants to create more high-tech jobs in the United States. But for now, she's advocating more of those jobs go to immigrants from India and China. That remark was interrupted by the loudest applause heard during her campaign speech. I am reaffirming my commitment to the H-1B visa and increasing the current cap. You know, let's just face the fact that... Foreign skilled workers contribute greatly to what we have to do in being innovators. Already, corporate America has used up its allotment of H-1B visas for 2008. 65,000 high-tech workers and another 20,000 with advanced degrees. Clinton did not specify how many more foreign workers she would allow, but she did propose ideas for creating more homegrown technology talent. We need to treat our young scientists and engineers with respect and provide real rewards. They should know that our country needs them because, in fact, we do. Those ideas included national standards for math and science education, more funding for National Science Foundation grants, and even a reality television show to bring what she called sex appeal to science and math. But perhaps the senator should begin with the basics, such as spelling. On the same day, a 13-year-old from nearby Danville, California, was crowned National Spelling Bee Champion. You are correct, you're the champion. Behind Senator Clinton, as she spoke of the need for more education, a slogan reading new jobs for tomorrow. But tomorrow is spelled incorrectly with two M's. For the record, Senator, it's T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W. The Silicon Valley Leadership Group, which hosted the speech, says the graphic for that misspelled banner came from the Clinton campaign. The campaign did not return our calls seeking comment on the gaffe, Lou. Well, maybe they could uh, open up, uh, maybe they should reuse one of those H-1B visas, uh, bring in a, a speller for the senator. I, that, that's incredible. Uh, the senator is certainly uh, one of the most uh, well-read, uh, well-informed of the, the candidates. She is, and I don't know if you had the opportunity to talk with the campaign, is she unaware that 7 out of 10 of those H-1B visas are, are going to Indian companies uh, for outsourcing? Is she aware that 4 out of 5 of those jobs are level 1, not level 4, high-skilled jobs? Uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, speak with the Clinton campaign. They didn't return our phone calls. But what I can tell you is that one of the folks who was one of the executives in attendance at that speech says the group, the executives in Silicon Valley are getting tired of candidates treating Silicon Valley like an ATM. So perhaps Senator Clinton is uh, giving them a hint of a return on their investment, Lou. Well, uh, I'm sure the ATM aspect of it is not, uh, it's not something she's given up on uh, either. Uh, but it looks like it is a straightforward swap, but not one that makes a lot of sense for the American worker. Thank you very much. Casey Wine. And, of course, Jesse Jackson has something to say on this whole thing. As I said, everybody has something to say about immigration reform, and everybody's looking for some way to increase their membership, such as the ACA Coalition or the Freedom Walk, as Al Sharpton was talking, uh, has, had done several months ago, I believe it was two months ago in Arizona, is Jesse Jackson calling the Arizona law a threat. Mind you, listen, uh, you'd be surprised where he said this. 
Another college commencement turned political forum for the immigration debate. Jesse Jackson joining the anti-Arizona movement, speaking out against the state's new law designed to crack down on border violations. Reverend Jackson telling graduates, quote, your future is in Arizona to deal with. The Reverend Jesse Jackson joins me live now. Reverend, thank you so much for being here. So here you go out yeah. to community college to speak to these graduates. Uh, and you, you decide to slam Arizona's immigration law. We saw this with another professor in Arizona about two weeks ago. Why? Why use a commencement address to slam this law? Well, first of all, the students have to be relevant. Uh, one generation had to fight uh, a state's rights issue for public accommodations, for the right to vote. Urging to come across the state with the plume in one hand and the voter card in the other. And clearly, Arizona is an issue of substance with which this generation must address. It is now a national and international issue, and students must be involved in trying to find remedy. You know, Reverend, I, I assume you've read the Arizona law, unlike some of the administration. Of course. Okay. Now, let me and ask you about this, because not, I, I, I want to ask you about this. Not, it's not just the law. Let, let me just ask the question, then you can It's respond. not just the law. It's also, it's also the culture of profiling. Okay. That so many We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Let me ask indeed. the question first, and then you can respond. If you take a look at Arizona's law and you compare it to the existing federal law, and I have done this uh, extensively, the Arizona law is actually much tougher on the police than the federal law. Under federal law, sir, the feds can stop somebody and ask them about immigration without reasonable suspicion. In Arizona, they have to have reasonable suspicion. Under Arizona law, you cannot even consider somebody's race or use race at all in determining whether there is reasonable suspicion. Under the federal law, that's okay. So why the outcry? Do you realize that the Arizona law is not, not as strict as federal law? Well, the fact is, the laws now, without a comprehensive immigration reform, it's just an amalgamation of confusion. You've got the issue of undocumented workers which is, and citizens, which is an issue. You've got the issue of those who are illegal. You've got the border conflict, which involves the U.S. president and the Mexican president working out some deal. It's, a, it's a very confused. But the idea of you can be stopped based upon your appearance, you can. your language, your accent, is very threatening to people. You can't. Well, That's people not are. okay in Arizona. E but, Megan, e even, even before the law, the cost of race profiling, the culture of, of threats of deportation without just cause. And now, uh, Senator, uh, Mr. Rand Paul saying babies born here should not be considered naturalized citizens. So it's a very ugly season. And whatever the, the disposition may be, uh, Megan, they cannot be indifferent to the law. You but got Reverend, this is, but, but, listen, but, but it's one thing to have rhetoric. It's another to have facts. And you called for a boycott of the state of Arizona in the wake of its passing this law, which you called, referring to the law, punitive, negative, unconstitutional, presumes guilt, and selectively punishes Latinos. Now, Arizona is a state that is $3.1 billion in the red. It has a 9.5% unemployment rate. And they take issue when somebody with your stature calls for a boycott of them. I want to ask you, in the wake of your having done that, do you understand that their law out there is actually more favorable, more protective to illegals than the federal law? You know, the reason why the President of the United States and the Attorney General is now uh, reviewing what's happening in Arizona is the question of are they violating basic civil rights? Is it creating the kind of chaos that we seek not to uh, have? And so I, I would think that uh, Arizona should rejoin the Union. I think such a law... Uh, if it spreads, it could be very detrimental to relations in our country. I don't understand, I sir. If I could just ask, redirect you to my question. I don't understand where you're getting that from. Because you, you just keep plowing through as though the Arizona law is something other than what it is. Well, the, the Arizona law is, is a very real threat. And it's very punitive. Uh, and the impact, and that's why police in Arizona are filing a lawsuit against them. They don't want to honor the law. Why are police in Arizona saying no to the law? Only some police. Why is the federal government considering, well, well, some police. Why are, is the federal government considering challenging the Arizona law in the court? Because the way it is put forth, it is very threatening, very damaging. It's not a remedy. We need a remedy for immigration reform. We need an a, a remedy for a safe passage or a, a, a direct passage to citizenship. This law does not achieve that. It creates unbounded fears, and until... Is it the law that creates the, the fear, union. sir, or is it the rhetoric about the law from people who don't understand it and haven't done the research about it? 
Well, the, the rhetoric may very well have come from the governor. It may, it may very well have come from the politicians there. It may very well come from people who simply have fears that, that their the suspicion based on appearance or, 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 or language or accent or will jeopardize them. And so you have a bounding fear when we really need a bounding hope. But that is specifically ruled out. I mean, I have looked at the laws. That is specifically ruled out. In fact, it is written into the Arizona law that race cannot even be considered in determining whether one has reasonable suspicion that one might be an illegal immigrant. I have to ask you this, sir. You know, at least well, 18 know, other Megan, states are considering. Ra 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 at least, at least 18 other states. Not be a law. Right, let, me, let me finish my question. Well, at least, at least, ra sorry about the satellite delay. At least 18 other states are considering a similar law. And as you know, the vast majority of Americans support the Arizona law. But at least 18 other states are considering a similar law to Arizona. Are you going to encourage a boycott of all of them? Well, I'll tell you what, that would be more chaos and less remedy. This is the time for us to, A, have an immigration reform that's comprehensive, a path of the citizenship. We should not exacerbate this issue and make a bad matter worse. This is not moving toward remedy. This is moving toward conflict. All right. Well, Reverend Jesse Jackson, we appreciate your thoughts on it. Honestly, it's, uh, you know, it's an issue that has gotten a lot of attention, and we get a lot of viewer feedback on this whenever we touch on it. We appreciate you coming on and giving us your two cents. Thank you, Megan. All the best. What do you think, folks? Uh, Kelly at foxnews.com. We're taking your emails now, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Megan Kelly. Well, it's a <laughs> that was interesting in this Q&A because she kept asking the question, and he kept going around like, you know, water going down the drain. Now, we have Senator, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, who is now Secretary of State. We have uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Uh, you know, in an election year, people are very, are very uh, – uh, very uh, precise in what position they stand during an election year because, you know, Senator McCain is in a, a tough uh, election fight down there in Arizona. But this is what Senator McCain had to say about amnesty, open borders, and uh, this controversial gentleman by the name of Juan Hernandez during the Q&A uh, when Senator, Senator McCain was on the campaign trail. I thank you so much for your service and your fight of, of and earmarks. As a Irish <laughs> my parents and my grandparents both came here to be immigrants and to recognize what was so special about America. I, I so much want to vote for you. I have one concern. You're you know, the straight talk from the voters here. And it is, you have an outreach, uh, Hispanic outreach person on your staff, Juan Hernandez. And he has said that he understands why Social Security numbers are stolen, because we don't allow the immigrants to get their own. So it's okay for him that we steal other Americans' Social Security numbers. He also has written a book called The New Pioneers about comparing illegal immigrants, not legal immigrants, to become our new pioneers. I wonder if you agree with his policy if so, explain it to me. And if not, why is he on your staff? He's on my staff because he supports my policies and my, and my proposals and my legislative proposal to secure the borders first, that no one will receive Social Security benefits who is in this country illegally. I don't know what his previous positions or other positions are, but he supports mine. I have nothing to do with his. And he has volunteered to help me with outreach to our Hispanic citizenry as others have reached, as I outreach to every citizen in America. I've made it very clear my position on immigration, my very clear on my position on Social Security, and of course I am grateful that we have so many people who came from Ireland to the United States of America and anybody else who can come here legally under the right system. And that's the only system that I will ever support. And I, I have no idea that I will check into the information you've given me, but I want to promise you I will secure our borders. I will not allow anyone to come here illegally. I will not allow anyone to receive Social Security or any other benefit because they have come here illegally and broken our law. And there it is. People in our remaining minutes, it's very interesting to hear what people will say. Uh, when the uh, when it's time to get elected or trying to get elected. And in closing this last minute, let me say something also. The owners cannot just be on the illegal immigrants themselves. Big businesses should be fined, as President Obama has been doing quietly. 
has been finding many companies uh, for hiring illegal immigrants. If you don't hire them, then they, they more than likely won't come. If it's harder to find work, they more than likely will not come or will not stay. I believe, you know, he should continue with that policy, find them, find big businesses, find the companies that are employed. We say, as I was had said earlier, you can't have, if you're bringing your children here illegally or you're coming here illegally to have children, you can't put the onus on the government of the respective country regarding your child. That responsibility is yours. Leave them here or take them with you. Conversely, though, if you are a big business, you cannot sit there quiet as a church mouth and act as though you're innocent in this whole situation, as President Obama has been doing since he's been in office. He has been firing these companies. Obviously, some, human, uh, some uh, uh, immigrant advocates have been complaining about that also. Yet, big businesses profit by this. They should also be made to suffer. Ladies and gentlemen, our series is closed. Our series is over. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. I hope you have a great weekend and a great week. Enjoy your stay and make a difference, and I'll talk to you soon. I am God. Talk to Cassidy Bengen. Word on the street. Immigration. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.